Rakesh uh, Mohan, welcome. Thank you so much for talking to me. Really appreciate it, Rakesh. You're the director of at the Office of Performance Evaluation, the Idaho State Legislature, right? Yes. And uh, you've been so gracious to talk talk with us uh, a little bit about uh, some issues in evaluation and other areas. Let's see where we go. So welcome. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, James. I'm really excited uh, to talk about evaluation and especially to talk about my office uh, with the Idaho legislature. And uh, it, it's exciting uh, that I, I, uh, opportunity for me to to a little bit brag about my office. Great. Yeah, we really look forward to to, to hearing and learning more about it. I've talked, you know, I've talked with uh, through the years. I've talked with a lot of evaluators, a lot of external evaluators, people uh, who who do uh, kind of similar work that I do generally, and uh, people in data viz and 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 just uh, spoke with someone about reporting and. And uh, I don't haven't talked with too many people about doing this kind of work, the kind of work you're doing. So I think very excited to share this with others. Uh, how what you do is sort of similar, different than what uh, what many of us uh, might do in in private world or consulting external world or university that kind of thing. So very interested. So could you talk a little bit about your professional background and how you got involved with evaluation? So my answer might be the longest answer I'll give you for the entire conversation. Uh, uh, That's a long story. Um, yeah, I saw you have different experiences. Uh, I saw you. Yeah. I came to this country in 1976 to do my PhD in chemistry. So 76, that's 44 years ago <laughs> uh, to do uh, my PhD. And uh, I tried it for three years in three different universities, and, uh -huh. I, fa and I failed miserably. I just couldn't do it. Right. And then I started working as a chemist. And first I worked for the, uh, as a materials chemist for the uh, Kansas Department of Transportation. Then I work as a, a forensic toxicologist for, for the Department of Health and Environment. And then also I work for, uh, as, um, as, as, as an environmental chemist uh, there. And, uh, but, so a total of eight years I spent as a chemist and I was getting kind of bored and restless working as a, as a chemist there, being in a lab and seeing that I'm going nowhere. Uh -huh. And so in the mid eighties, I started part-time working on my master's in public administration and at the University of Kansas. And towards the end of my uh, public administration uh, coursework, I uh, started looking for a job, hoping I can find a management analyst, research analyst, some kind of administrative position yeah. within sciences, uh, ho hopefully in, in the field of environment. Tried many places, applied, applied, and applied, and I got only one job offer. The job uh -huh. offer was with the uh, Kansas legislature to work as a performance auditor. And, oh, okay. uh, so that was your, that was, so right in, yeah. Yeah, so that was my indirect entry to evaluation. Did you know what you were getting into? I have no, I had no idea. I had never heard of that office. I had no idea about what they do. And, and I was not even going to apply for the job. Actually, my friend, I was using his computer to type my resumes. And he said, he, he said, I said, Oh, this is going to be a waste of time. And, and I think in those days, postage was 22 cents or so. I said, yeah, yeah. Uh, it will be waste of postage. And he said, no, I'll give you the postage uh, money and you apply. And I applied and I got the job. So uh, and you didn't live. You didn't live in in Boise. Uh, no, at that time I was in Kansas. This is with okay. the Kansas. Okay. Uh, Kansas okay. Got it. All right. I was working as a chemist in Kansas. Right. So okay. I got the job and uh, and I liked it. I, I I liked it. I had so much to learn because I was in sciences and I had never studied uh, other than my uh, public administration courses. Uh, I did not know much about social sciences and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I liked, liked the work and um, I got interested in it and worked there for four years. And after that, I uh, moved as a senior performance auditor with the Louisiana legislature. And, uh, and um, that's where, and that was 92. And that's when I discovered AEA, the American Evaluation Association. And I attended my first evaluation conference uh -huh. in in Seattle in 92 
92. Okay. I became a member at that time. Right. And, and I started liking evaluation and I started finding the link between evaluation and performance auditing. It, it, the, slightly the focus is different. Mm-hmm. In performance auditing, you are more interested in compliance, looking at the compliance and efficiency and right. performance evaluation is more about uh, learning, more looking at the effectiveness. One of the big differences is that when we do auditing, uh, performance auditing, you are basically looking at the what the requirements are, what the mm-hmm. laws are, what the policies right. are, and whether they are being complied with or not. And if they are not, then you make recommend, uh, make recommendations accordingly. And um, in uh, evaluation, you look at all that, but you also look at where, whether those policies and laws make any sense. Right. You, you, you could even challenge those policies and laws. And in auditing, generally, you don't go there. Uh-huh. You just, whatever it is, what they are supposed to do, that's what you look at it. So I started seeing the connection between evaluation and performance auditing. And, um, and I started finding the evaluation work was very interesting. And then I found uh, uh, another opportunity uh, with the Washington State Legislature. And so I moved from Louisiana to Washington as the principal uh, management auditor and performance auditor. Still, the, the, the context was the auditing um, uh-huh. and not evaluation uh, per se. And, but uh, Washington uh, Legislative Office was very much into doing evaluation work and questioning the policies and laws and, 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 uh, and analyzing all that stuff. So I enjoyed working there and, um, and got more and more involved with AEA. And uh, I started finding AEA to be a, a, a good organization as well as the field of evaluation is exciting. I've, I realized that this is the place where you can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then I got a just wonderful opportunity that I never dreamed about it, uh, being, being the director of the uh, Idaho Office of Performance uh, evaluations with the Idaho legislature. Yeah. And um, I moved here in November of uh, 2002. I'm, I'm the only second director for the office. Uh, it uh, office was established in 94. And um, I've been the director since I moved here. And I just love it. Mm-hmm. I just love this place. Love working for the legislature here. People are wonderful. Place is wonderful. So I'm, I'm here. It sounds great. I know Boise has been growing tremendously recently too. Right. So it's kind of interesting. Um, do you? How did you start to bring evaluation into your uh, work? Like, what was what was that like? So it, there was an openness towards evaluation aside from compliance and auditing at in uh, Idaho in that office, um, or was it sort of? Did you kind of have to gently, you know, bring bring it in more as more of a focus, or like how how did that work? How did you bring in some of what you were learning and? getting exposed to and interested in through AEA and other resources to, to your work? Yeah, I think um, several things I had to do. One is that I did not know when I moved here that folks were not happy with this office. <laughs> and there were talks You're about- tell you that. <laughs> yeah, there were, there were talks about shutting down the office. Oh, wow. And so uh, they were, this was the last chance they were giving. Maybe you should house. rent your house, not buy it. <laughs> yeah. But I had already bought the house. <laughs> I learned after I moved here and bought the house. Right, right. And the second, so that actually helped me. Uh, that why, I, I wanted to know why people were not pleased with the office, what office was doing that they did not like. Right. And, um, and also because people were not happy, there was no relationship between our office and the, the, the environment, the evaluation environment, the authorizing environment, um, mm-hmm. uh, the legislature, the government, governor's office, the state agencies, the attorney general, the state treasurer, we just right. did not have relationships there. So I started talking to people and I found out that office was, under the previous uh, leadership was very much into classical auditing, mm-hmm. compliance, 
doing compliance reviews, more interested in, interested in finding in reporting findings and making recommendations to correct those deficiencies. Right. And um, and and the scopes of the study were very structured, very uh, inflexible, very rigid. As a result, what happened? Uh, legislat- legislators, the governor's office, and others, they did not find the office to be useful to them. They were, not, they were doing the good work of all classical auditing. Uh-huh. They right. were not really being responsive to the needs of the legislature. Utility wasn't the there. Yeah, yeah, there was. Okay. Yeah. So the primary stakeholder, the legislature and the governor's office, they were not uh, finding office to be responsive. So that really helped me. I said, well, this is the time I can change auditing focus, auditing culture, change that to evaluation culture. And they were on board with that. They were just like yep. phenomenal. They, yeah, because, because, uh, because they were not pleased with the things before. And, right. and, and, and so they were willing to give me a chance. They were willing to try new thing. And um, they, they liked it. They liked it and they were all on board with that. The other thing happened was that um, uh, the mission of the office was to promote confidence and account- accountability in a state government. Mm-hmm. So with that mission, uh, who, who I, I have to think about who is my primary audience, who is my who who I'm working for. Right, right. And and it, it yes, I'm working for the legislature. Legislature writes the paycheck, mm-hmm. and then yes, I'm working for a specific bipartisan committee, the Joint Legislative Oversight Committee, that gives us the assignments. But actually. If I'm working towards the mission of promoting confidence and ac- accountability in the state government, then I'm actually working for the people of Idaho. Uh huh. Yeah. That 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 realization gave me a better way to to Im- imagine and design my evaluation work, and, and 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 it became more meaningful to me, more meaningful to my staff, and mm-hmm. more more meaningful to stakeholders. So the people, I mean, that's a, that's a big thing, right? So did that translate into like focusing on, on groups like stakeholder groups that were maybe neglected before or was talk more a little bit about that? Right. So it, um, it, uh, really helped me to focus on, uh, broader audience stakeholders, uh, all the stakeholder groups uh, that were relevant to the project, uh, focus on the press. Right. Is, are we communicating with the media, communicating with the press um, and advocacy groups? Focus on lobbyists, how they see us. So I, even though we are independent office, we do independent evaluation. We don't, we, we don't politicize anything. We don't take mm-hmm. sides. Right. And we are all nonpartisan. But still, I have to know, all the, know my authorizing environment, know my evaluation environment. Right. understand the politics of that environment. And so I have to have a relationship with them. So I started talking to people, less talking, more listening, listening uh, whether I agree with them or not. I had to listen to them. And that all helped. That re- all really helped. And, um, and then also trying to design these studies, <clears throat> excuse me, trying to design these studies more broadly to see if it is really dealing with real issues mm-hmm. or it is just um, sweeping those underlying issues uh, under the rug or mm-hmm. are we really dealing with vulnerable populations? Mm-hmm. Are we really dealing with the equity issues? And, uh, and, and those kind of things are generally not looked at it when, uh, old fashioned audits are done. And at least one not looked at it in this office uh, before, uh, at least I can speak from this office. And uh, we started focusing on um, uh, the the public at large. Are they benefiting or not? 
and 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 how to help how to help policymakers and how to help agency that is ed- running that program uh, how we can help them rather than just find mistakes in their work and also help policymakers to modify and change policies change laws mm-hmm. and and so collectively it all helped to accomplish what we do but this focus on public i realized that focus in the beginning and i started implementing that but i did not talk publicly about it right because i thought that would be too radical thing to say publicly uh-huh. to uh, in a, to 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 tell my bosses uh, that i uh, i work for the people of idaho they will think <laughs> i'm running for the office public right. elected office or something that's what politician tell the people right. and, what, yeah. and not a staff member says something like that yeah. so I, i did not say that and it was it was last year and so it took me from 2002 all the way to last year when i was presenting my budget to the most powerful committee the joint joint budget joint budget committee here in the right. legislature when i was presenting to them i actually when i was preparing to present that budget request i thought about it mentioning that that i've worked for i and the people of my office work for the uh, for the people of idaho but then i went back and for no no it's too 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 radical to say and i don't know what consequences there will be what what kind of uh, wrong toes i'll be stepping on mm-hmm. and and so i decided not to say it but then when i started making my presentation and it is a public meeting <laughs> it it just came out it just came yeah. out from my mouth yeah. and 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 i noticed that um, the the committee chair nodded in agreement and there were other people who uh, uh, either smiled or nodded on the committee and i got a, I, i got i felt like my statement statement was accepted now yeah. i now i say it publicly i don't i don't um, i don't worry about how people will see it I, of course you know I, i work for the legislature and the committee that gives us the project but ultimately we are all working for the people of idaho yeah so it really resonated with them and that but yeah that's it it doesn't sounds like such a radical thing but at the at the time through those years it would your your concern was it would be would come across in a way of like uh that maybe sort of how how maybe jockeying for power right right exactly in a very political way right because exactly. it's it's kind of like what a politi- what a politician would say okay can i ask you how do, how do you work how does your office work with the the uh, the legislature with the with the uh uh the members uh, uh the lawmakers and their staff how how give us a sense of how that works like do they issue a directives around what needs to be reviewed or like you know how do you decide what's going to be studied obviously you have a, a limited you have a, a staff uh, but it's limited just like everything and and you have to focus on certain things it's not a small state not a small budget so h- how do you figure out what you're going to be doing okay so uh, as i said um, we work for the legislature so the assignments that we work on they come from the legislature mm-hmm. and uh, specifically we work for an equally bipartisan eight member joint legislative oversight committee that right. committee gives us the assignment the, the 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 being equally bipartisan is a big deal idaho as you may know uh, is a overwhel- overwhelmingly republican state very conservative state republican state all statewide elected officials are all republicans um uh, uh, 80% of the legislators in the in the legislature are republican mm-hmm. uh, so so all the committees are have proportional membership of the democrats uh, mm-hmm. and and all the committees are chaired by uh, republicans but this is the only committee that has eight members four republicans four 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 democrats it has co-chaired a republican and a democrat and those co-chairs take uh, alternate chairing the committee meeting and uh-huh. uh, so they have totally equal power also the eight member committee is divided equally between senate and the house 
So you and the whole idea is to minimize the politics of what assignments are given to us. Sure, sure. You can never take the politics out of evaluation, right. but at least to minimize um, the politics of um, of evaluation requests. So any legislator can make a request. We get a bunch of requests uh, somewhere between eight to fifteen or sixteen. I think the maximum request one time we got about twenty. But we can only do between three to five projects per year. Our budget is less than one million dollar, uh, and you're doing uh, them all internally. All internally, all yes. All internally, you don't uh, bring in external folk. No, we do. We do. We we, we do go to, for external consultants, but we okay. still uh, have the ownership of the project. I see. Okay, so just and uh, and and final say on what the project uh, looks like. So. Uh, having a small staff um, of six evaluators, myself as the director, and um, and um, an administrative coordinator, uh, we have to. Uh, we can only do three to three to five projects per year, and uh, so committees generally will meet in March. They can meet any time, but generally in March they will meet to decide what projects they will pick. So all the requests that they got from different legislators, uh-huh. they will, they will uh, consider all those requests and, and uh, decide which three to five projects they will assign to us. And, and that, that decision and consideration is made at a public meeting. So everybody knows, that everybody knows what the criteria uh, are being used and, and how the decision is being made. And actually each requester of requester of each evaluation comes in front of this committee and gives about three to five minute uh, pitch for their for their request why they are requesting this study and um, and uh, based on that and and the committee will ask me do i have the capacity to do it what i think about these requests and and um, uh, whether it is a timely request whether data exists or not things like that they will ask my opinion as well and then the committee votes on it publicly, and that's the way we get three to five projects. Once there, we get, go ahead. Three, those three to five, do they end up being more like audit-related, kind of like what you were doing before, or or uh, more like evaluation-related uh, in the sense of you know improvement and just figuring out if the extent to which programs uh, are working and and could be uh, improved and that sort of thing. Or what what is the thinking behind um, how those are, are offered up and then selected? So they are increasingly, they are all policy related, all doing policy evaluation work. Okay. And, and, and uh, at least in last, now I've been here more than 17 years, at least in last uh, about eight or 10 years, we haven't seen any just compliance review. We, uh, okay. we are seeing all evaluations and and increasingly they are getting more heavy on policy evaluation, policy analysis. So it's so, like, what should the policy, to guide what the policy should be with respect to things like public health issues or what the whole range of- Exactly, of- so for example, the, the, the uh, projects that were given to us uh, this uh, last March, uh, one study is about, uh, was that um, to, to look into what role a state should play to help small businesses, uh, um, uh, uh, small businesses be able to provide retirement uh, programs for their employees. So that's a a policy thing. um, And and we are talking about private sector here. The the other study was about um, Look at the uh, the impact of state mandates on on county revenues. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the third project um, uh, we, we did uh, um, um, looking at the what role a state can play to help address the Alzheimer's uh, issues. Oh wow! So yeah, a and, wide range of, of right. economic and, health. Uh, yeah. And like uh, t- uh, a year ago, we, we, we completed a study about um, uh, a state institution for uh, people with developmental uh, disabilities. And there, were, there was 
uh, a debt uh, uh, mm-hmm. of a, uh, a client in there in that state institution and there have been all kinds of negative news in the media for several years mm-hmm. and and nobody knew exactly what was going on at least nobody was talking about it yeah, and right. we we made a very bold statement about our we were given that uh, project and not only we talked about what the problems were we talked about how it could be solved and the and, and the solution is not just to improve the management the solution mm-hmm. lies with the policymakers the legislature they mm-hmm. need to they need to rethink about how to deal with uh, issues of developmental disabilities should it be uh, should it be uh, addressed in a state institution or in the community right right, right. And, and, yeah. and major changes are taking place now based on our report there interesting yeah i, I have a, a group of students that i teach evaluation to uh, every term that are in our developmental disabilities program the masters and we teach uh, them about evaluation so it'll be interesting. I, I wonder if that re- report's available. It might be interesting to kind of yeah, all of our reports are yeah, on, on our website. Yeah, like I can link it, and they can get an idea of, of an example that that's very relevant to their work. So that's neat. Okay. And um, so, so we, we we do these evaluations, uh, and we get these assignments, and then the committee leaves us alone. Committee does not tell us what should be the scope right. committee does not tell us what should be the methodology what and, and does not even review the report before it is released the, the, we have total independence we have okay. total independence and uh, and i am very fortunate i am grateful for the leadership here i'm grateful to my committee for leaving us alone to do our work independently mm-hmm. And um, but we because we want to be responsive to their information needs, we work for them. We want to be responsive. So I will uh, ask my committee to tell us uh, when we design the scope of this study, then we will share the draft of this scope and say, please provide us input. Am I are we on the uh, right track or, or we are missing something here? And but it's still weak we have the final say what should be the scope okay then uh, if we feel like there are some legislators and certain people in the governor's office they are experts on um, on uh, on the topic that we are evaluating we go and talk to them we ask for their input uh, we ask um, people to help us with uh, survey design or if we need uh, need their help or uh, help us identify some um, uh, uh, certain issues that we have, we are not able to identify ourselves. So, and then when the report is done, uh-huh. then, then we ask the agency that we are evaluating or whoever is relevant party, we ask them to do a technical review of our report and okay. draft to make sure we have not made a mistake. So if somebody uh, has a budget of, $10 million and we said their budget is only $1 million. It's a, it's a factual mistake there. And we asked them to help us correct all the information in the report. And right. then we, we give them the final draft, the agency and the governor. We give the final draft and ask them to, to uh, give us their formal written response. So each of our evaluation at the end uh, of the report, you will see the response from the agency that we evaluated mm-hmm. or the agency that was most relevant uh, to the study because sometimes there is no agency. Uh, the action can- that was taken or just the, if they agree with the findings, like, is or both? Well, is it the action that they take based on the report or their agreement or their what they think about the findings? All of that, all of the above. Uh, okay. So because they may not have been able to take the action yet because the report is not uh, released yet. We are just finalizing the report. So oh, sometimes, sometimes they do know uh, and they are able to take some actions uh, during the evaluation process, but uh, they have plans. Sometimes they disagree. Sometimes they disagree with our findings and conclusions, but most of the time they do agree. Sometimes we may have, uh, they, they agree with our work, they uh, agree with our recommendations, but they feel like not, and, and there was a one, uh, one important issue that we did not address. So right. they, will, they bring that uh, to the forefront. And as a result of the response, 
the both the governor's response as well as the agency response there is a good healthy constructive policy discourse uh, people can talk about it all together mm -hmm. and right. and uh, it is not that we came and we evaluated an agency and and then we left right. everybody is involved there so then uh, we include those formal responses in the report and then we make uh, make that report release at a public meeting of that joint legislative oversight committee the report is released and mm -hmm. uh, and um, until this time the report was confidential to the uh, kept confidential it was not uh, released to the public in any way only key relevant people like the governor's office will uh, had seen the report draft and the agency uh, had seen the draft and actually even the people who have requested the study and uh -huh. the members of the joint legislative oversight committee uh, well they had seen the report as a draft because we want them to we want them to be ready to answer uh, questions if, uh, 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 posed by the press when the report is released but the mm -hmm. people who requested this study uh, they don't get to see the report until the report is publicly released. Okay. The idea is so nobody will politicize anything. Okay. That's the how idea. Do you, how do you get the maximum engagement with those reports? Like making sure that people read the report, that they actually, like, what do you do with your reports? That's been a big kind of focus in evaluation last 10, 20 years. Well, really maybe 10 years is like, changing uh, the, the style, the, the format, the way in which reports are, are uh, developed, creating uh, shorter summaries, infographic uh, laden summaries or base summaries, that kind of stuff. Like what, what, have you, what do you all do to, to kind of increase the likelihood that the people that should read the report will read it? So we have done several things and, and um, we have shortened the report uh, length. We have designed shorter executive summaries of the report. Technical stuff, we put more in, in the appendix rather than in the main body. Mm -hmm. But probably the most important thing we have done is we have created a one pager. So the report does have an executive summary. So the report could be 40, 50, or 100 page, but, yeah. um, but the, and, the, and the executive summary could be uh, four to six pages there, uh -huh. and they are right. all together. Uh, they, right. they are all together. But we have also a product, we call it one pager. Uh -huh. And one right. pager is not attached to the report, it's separate. So if you go on our website, so if you look at the, the any report, you will see, uh, click on that report link that you will first see uh, the one pager and then it, you can also click the, and see the whole report and and it is the one pager that has been um, the most popular thing people really like it and yeah. we just so so now cost of the and we made the reports colored uh, in last few years so the entire report or, or just the the uh, one pager the entire report is colored entire so report, okay. the cost of publication is has gone up highly and uh -huh. and so we do not publish reports anymore the uh, the hard copies the reports are uh, all, all of the reports are available online but uh -huh. one that one pager we we print a lot of one pagers and those one pagers are distributed distributed widely so i'll show it to you so some one pagers so if you can see that's the one pager uh-huh right and one pager means one pager and not front <laughs> and back there's nothing in the back <laughs> Actually, when we were thinking about the one pager, uh, like oh, senior, we can make it two pages, but call one pager. <laughs> a senior staff said, "Oh, that is very hard to do that," and uh -huh. um, and um, and I could it be front and back? And I said, "That's called two pager. That's not one pager." Okay. So there's another one, and so oh, nice. sometimes the, the, the big numbers of some infographics is there and tables, but also we have also charts in there. We so we have, can link we can we can link this in the uh, in the right. show notes. Good idea, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we have, and and the idea of this one pager is not the summary of the executive summary. This mm -hmm. one pager is the top sentence should basically tell if you have to you have only thirty seconds to ten seconds to tell somebody what is the main message of the report. The top sentence should tell that. That's and what it then, is. Right. 
then key thing, uh, key, key findings and recommendations. It's not um, easy. It's not easy creating those, is it? That takes the most time. <laughs> yeah, percentage, like in terms of the amount of space that it occupies, right. it's the most dense in terms of time. Yeah, It's absolutely. very difficult to do that. And um, this, um, uh, in, in, in addition to one pager, there is a, uh, in the report we have, if you uh, turn the uh, front page cover, and yeah. uh, so this is the report, and if you open it, then you will see a letter. In, in auditing world, we call it transmittal letter, a letter from the director telling mm -hmm. the uh, authorizing body, we, you asked us to do this evaluation, we completed it. But here I also talk about uh, some uh, policy implication or some something that is that is that is not being said clearly but must be said and those transmittal letters are sometimes used by the press to uh, get a sentence or two from there to put it in their uh, story okay. if somebody's starting out an evaluation uh, and they're interested in going into the kind of work that you're doing what's the best way to kind of go about that what are what are some recommendations suggestions you might have Okay, could you explain that question? Somebody is starting to want to work in this field? Or yeah, would, yeah, someone who maybe is, is getting training in evaluation, someone who is, you know, just coming out of maybe an evaluation program, maybe they have some experience, but they want to go specifically into your kind of work, the kind of thing that you're doing. What, what is the way uh, it kind of happened initially kind of accidentally, uh, but then more deliberately as you moved in your career. But uh, ha what is a way that, uh, that they might uh, do that? Some, some suggestions you might have, or just general so, kind of suggestions. So, so the kind of jobs uh, you will be looking for is uh, about 40 states have an office like ours. They may be doing more auditing, maybe mm -hmm. doing more compliance reviews uh, and less evaluation. And generally that's the case, but, about 40 of the 50 states have some kind of legislative office that does performance auditing or evaluation. Also, huh. this kind of work is done in, uh, in within the legislative state legislative uh, within the state legislative branches um, uh, as a research analyst or budget analyst. You can also look this kind of jobs in the governor's office, um, look, uh, working uh, in the budget of governor's budget office or governor's policy office. Um, general, general accountability office, U.S. general accountability of GAO, they have these kind of positions. Big county and cities have uh, these kind of offices. Yeah, those are the places you can uh, find something, th the kind of work that we do. Okay. Great. So some good suggestions there. So all sorts of government uh, uh, job sites job, and state, uh, state, local, uh, federal. Okay. Uh, what, what's the main difference you'd say between what uh, you do and what your typical external evaluator does? Um, and I think you kind of laid it out pretty well, but uh, yeah. anything else you want to add to it? Uh, maybe that would help with that. So I think um, uh, the big difference is the credibility. We bring the credibility uh, to, to the work that is being assigned to us. Mm -hmm. So we are an established office. We understand our evaluation environment. We understand our authorizing environment. We mm -hmm. understand all the key players. We have built relationships with those key players and have established trust. So we have it. Uh, a certain level of credibility in this environment uh, the, that people know what to expect from the Office of Performance Evaluation, what to expect from Rakesh Mohan. Uh, and uh, they, they know there won't be any surprises. The press knows, the public knows. That they all know that we are independent. We, we fight mm -hmm. for our independence. Uh, we, we stay always independent. We do not get involved with politics. Uh, we don't take sides. We say what needs to be said. And that sometimes is not easily available when you have external evaluator, whether that external evaluator is a private consultant or some other body, because you don't know. They, they, it takes time to build relationships. It takes time to build, develop trust. Right, right. 
the main difference. That's an important difference, a key, a key difference. I appreciate you pointing that out. What's an example of a mistake that you made on one of your projects um, you know, that, and how did you deal with it? Uh, maybe briefly, you have the, the chapter in the evaluation failures uh, book, the one that Kylie, uh, I think, edited, right? Right. Yeah, could you kind of briefly summar, uh, summarize? I don't want to keep you too long here today, but, but maybe give us a, a sense of, yeah. So I think the, the big thing I learned, big mistake is that we may, uh, I have made assumptions about the stakeholders, about the sponsors of evaluations, how to interact with them. The assumptions are, and, and it's a tricky balance, how much, simple, how, how, how much to simplify the information that we are sharing with them. Yeah, how yeah. much, how, they are busy folks. How many times do I need to repeat to them? How many times do we need to, uh, because if you keep repeating it, then it becomes nagging and bugging. If you keep simplifying things, then you are patronizing them. So right. it's, it's, it's a tricky balance. And I made assumptions that I work for the Joint Legislative Oversight Committee, so the members know who we are and what we do, so I don't have to explain everything all the time to them. I made assumptions that legislature, I work for the legislature, so they know who we are, what we do, and how we do it, and, and they all are on, on board with that. And that was the mistake. I need to regularly communicate with them. I need to make sure... Uh, and communication is not just telling them something, listening uh -huh. to them, what they are not getting, what they are looking for. Right. So th that was the, I think the biggest mistake I have made over the years. And um, so this communication and reflection on the uh, experiences that we have had. And that sort of guided what you, what you did going forward when you kind of realized that and that's affected how, how you, how you exactly. work going forward. Got it. Okay, great. So we, we can all uh, be biased, especially with respect to our work. How do you get uh, honest input from others, uh, from colleagues and others on your thought process, on your work? How do you, how do, you do that? How do you elicit that? Really good question. And, and, and we do multiple things. One is uh, we do is that um, uh, everybody who works on the project uh, sign a, a, an independent statement where they say we have they have no conflicts of interest. Mm -hmm, right. So and, and if they have biases, they need to disclose them. If they are environmentalists and it is a project about environmental issues, they need to say that. And then they have to say that whether this assignment, whether their biases or their affiliations or their conflicts will affect the performance of their work on the project. And then I need to determine as the director whether they should be on that team or not. Um, that's one way to do it. The other thing we do it, we have in-house a lot of brainstorming sessions where we challenge each other. And when we challenge each other's thought process, um, uh, that means anybody, the environment is safe. Anybody can challenge from intern to me mm -hmm. as the director. An intern who just started today can challenge me. And uh -huh. that challenge is welcome. So we also. Well, let me ask you that it's you know you, organizations might say that, but sometimes it's hard to actually do it. How do you actually do that? Like, is it through showing? Like, actually, you know, just just through showing those the new people and 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 leading by examples, or like actually doing it and and taking criticism and so forth. And like, give me how do you actually do that versus ju that just being said? You know. So. Um, Sometimes we uh, we uh, we know each other's uh, biases or each other's uh, 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 conflicts because they have talked about it in social gathering or somehow right. we know that and um, and um, good example here is we are working on this Alzheimer's project and we, it's not public uh, it's not released yet and mm -hmm. one staff member one team member is really expert in on the topic. And we really grill that person during those brainstorming sessions. Anytime that person will say, uh, we know that. Who, who I will say, who, who are we? Uh -huh. they, 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 they all know, the, uh, the person will say, they, they think this is the best practice. Who are they? 
Uh-huh. How, how many people are there? And how do they know? How do you know? So we started questioning that and, and that helps. Also, we have our projects have, uh, all of our projects have a consultant uh, also assigned to the project. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the consultant does the quality control. We do internal quality control on our work uh, right. from beginning to the end. And we have external co- uh, quality control that we do as well. Our work papers become public after the report is released, unless there is some confidential information that should be kept confidential. So we know uh, our biases will show uh, if, yeah. uh, so we have to be extra careful. Um, we communicate with the press and press will challenge us. If, uh, and, and we present our reports to, uh, uh, to, to the legislature mm-hmm. and, and agencies they will catch if we have biases, they will question us. Same thing during the technical review that we do, uh, ask the agencies to provide us a technical review. During that time, our biases will show. So there are many ways, but uh, I think very few, my con- our counterpart in other state legislature, I don't think so anybody does this, having a consultant do the external quality control. That's what we do. And that has been the most beneficial thing for us. That's really interesting. That's been, that's been something that's been very, uh, very helpful. All right. What, what's a, a favorite uh, evaluation resource or resources that you have that you would uh, like to, to share? Uh, is there something that you, you know, that you like, it could be a website or a, a, a blog or a book. I don't know. Is there something that, uh, that you have uh, uh, that you can suggest? Yeah, I think, uh, and, and my suggestions are, uh, if, if I'm excluding something, that doesn't mean those are not great, great resources. But okay. my suggestions are based on evaluation of, uh, practice. If you are doing practical evaluation, uh, utilization focus evaluation, responsive mm-hmm. evaluation, then w- what are the best sources? So I, I think the, the uh, Australian website, the better evaluation is a has lots of resources. Um, yeah, that's and, come up before. Uh, in, yeah. In, yeah. In terms of uh, website, uh, uh, Stephanie Evergreen's website, Sheila Robinson's website, they talk mm-hmm. about how to make presentations, how to write reports, how to do data visualization. Th- those are really good um, uh, web- website. And, um, and, and I think uh, Government Accountability Office, GAO, their website, uh, EERS, Eastern Evolution Research Society, has some good stuff on their website. Um, Pew Research, Pew Research has some good oh, really? okay. resources. Okay. So th- there are different resources uh, that, that are helpful there. And, and with respect to articles and books and authors, I find, um, but again, evaluation practice, I find the work done by, by Elnor Chalimsky her, her, her articles by her, chapters by her uh, mm-hmm. are just great. Joe Holy, George Grubb, uh, the, 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 the work they have done is uh, guides me every day in uh-huh. doing the work that we do here in Idaho. Nice. Of course, great. you know, the uh, uh, traditional references like Michael Patton and all, those are always good and they are very much detailed. But when it comes to doing uh, everyday practical evaluation and how to deal with the politics of evaluation, uh, the, the work done by um, Elnor Chalemsky, Holy, and George Grubb, that is really helpful to us. Okay, great. We'll, we'll provide links to that. Uh, do, you, um, do you have a favorite book that you recommend or give a gi- as a gift and, and, why, and why might that be? Is there, I, I know that that was a question that uh, wanted to See if if you had a suggestion beyond what you what you've just mentioned, you kind of yeah. So so I think I I think um, uh, now I have a favorite book, and and that book will be the evaluation failures, and and, and because not because it has a chapter by me, it is it is favorite because new evaluators can learn from other evaluators. I think twenty one chapters in the book Uh from the. Uh, the mistakes they have made and what we can learn. So I think that's why it is good. But generally in my personal reading, what I do is um, I I haven't read uh, much in the last few years, but um, uh, if I want to read something, I I like to read biographies Mm -hmm. because biographies of people who I admire most, and that helps me 
to deal with my challenges, uh, whether they're personal or professional challenges. And um, so, uh, name some uh, some of the people I, I admire, and and and, mm-hmm. and their biographies have helped me. Um, uh, is uh, 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 Thomas Merton, uh, uh, Martin Luther King, Gandhi. Mm-hmm. Uh, their biographies have helped me uh, to really find out how to deal with these things. And these authors are all gone, but these personalities are all gone. Their mm-hmm. work was done a long time ago, but their work was is as relevant today and even more relevant today than it was during the time that they, they talked about their issues. Yeah, definitely. So you see how they dealt with their struggles, the process right. in depth, uh, and l- learning from that has been very helpful for you. Exactly. How should people get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to, to, to see what, what you're doing, to connect with you on social, whatever it might be? So uh, the best way is to, uh, if they really want to contact me, uh, my email, it is rmohan at ope.idaho.gov. Okay. The, I'm on Twitter and I, uh, that is Rakesh Mohan Eval uh, on Twitter. And then my office website, uh, that is legislature.idaho.gov slash OPE. OPE stands for Office of Performance Evaluations. And I'm also on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn, I'm not uh, active at all there, but I'm there. Uh, okay. and, but t- t- Twitter, email, and an office website. And if you go on office website, you can also uh, go um, each, each staff member's bio, my bio, right and there. there you can find my phone number too. So uh, uh, they can even call me. Right. Great, great, great. Well, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for your time here. And uh, I think that this, uh, there's some real uh, helpful pieces here and good discussion. So thanks a lot. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch soon. Well, James, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for the, giving me the opportunity to talk about my office and the work that I do for the Idaho. I really appreciate it. Great. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right. Okay. Bye-bye.